Hi everyone, my name is Hugo Prince. I'm the host of the Road to the IPO podcast. Uh, I don't want to take that much of your time, but I just want to let you know there are some changes on the podcast. Uh, the first one is that when I started Road to the IPO podcast, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I wanted to learn from them, so I started interviewing them. But now I want to expand the conversation with other successful people that, that are not entrepreneurs, like artists, musicians, and influencers. So I just want to let you know that the podcast is going towards that direction, but I will still continue interviewing entrepreneurs for sure. The second one is that if you want to look for the podcast now, you can look it under my name, Hugo Prince, H-U-G-O Prince. Why did I decide to do that? It's because now I have another show, Influence Me, a podcast about marketing and social media, which is available in French and English. So if you want to look for the Road to the PO or Influence Me, you can look it under my name, Hugo Prince, Available on all platforms, of course, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And the last one is that the Road to the IPO is not available in three languages. Yes, three languages. French, English, and Spanish. So I started interviewing people in Spanish because I just wanted to keep growing my network, but also bring you the most value. So if you understand those three languages, that's great. If not, you can always listen to the Road to the IPO in your favorite language. So, I don't want to take that much of your, of your time. Thank you for listening and let's start the show. Welcome to the Road to the IPO podcast. I'm your host, Hugo Prince. Uh, so, this is the first episode in English. I did just one uh, in French. That was the first episode for 2021. It was with my friend Julian Bro, an entrepreneur who's the founder of Harvacon. Harvacon is a mobile application in the fintech industry that helps you take better financial decisions. So we talk about finance, we talk about having a budget, and a lot of like everything that happened with the stock market recently, you know, the GameStop saga. So we talk about it, but it's in French. So if you understand French, I think it's a pretty good podcast. It's available right now. So I invite you to go and listen to it. But today, guess um, I met him uh, him through one of my events, and he came like I think he came to two or three of my events. So I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. He he goes by the name of Mose. Mose, I don't. How, how do you pronounce your family name? Mose Wachi. Mose Wachi. Sorry about the Mose Wachi. Okay, so Mose is a pharmacist YouTuber. Most helps young success driving entrepreneurs to go after their wins while, li- while living a- an all-around healthy life. So, hi, Most, how are you doing? Hi, Hugo. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm doing great. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> I cannot complain. I'm very excited to have you in the podcast. We, we were trying to, uh, to do something last year in 2020, but I know a lot of stuff happened. The pandemic happened. Uh, and you're a pharmacist. So before I begin the, the podcast, I just want to say thank you for your hard work. And everyone that is watching and listening to this podcast that is an essential worker, thank you so much for all your work that you did during this pandemic. And also thank you most. I know that you work hard and you've been into that. You've been really one of the main workers into this pandemic. And I want to talk about it. I want to talk about, first of all, about you, like, about you. So you studied pharmacist at the University in Montreal, right? Yes, yes. So what, what did attract you? Because I know that your sister is also a pharmacist and you said in one of your posts that she inspired you to become a pharmacist. Is that right? 
Absolutely. My sister um, is a pharmacist. Uh, she's older than me. Uh, I'm 26 years old. She's 32. Yes. And uh, yes, so when she got into pharmacy, pharmacy school, I was in high school. So I saw uh, what kind of work she was doing, uh, the kind of studies that she was uh, following. And when she became a pharmacist, I really um, saw um, what's because at first I wasn't familiar with the profession of pharmacy. Yes. So my in my head, pharmacists were just the medication dispatchers. <laughs> but when I came uh, to see her at her work and she used to tell me stories about uh, what she was doing all day, yeah, it really pulled a heartstring for me because uh, she was invested in the community. She was providing care, uh, so clinical care. Yes. So being a pharmacist is not only dispatching medication. There's a, and uh, you analyze um, medication profiles. You send recommendations to doctors because pharmacists at the core are the medication experts. Okay. This is our superpower. That's how we um, distinguish, differentiate ourselves from the other health professionals. Yes. So, so medication is our wheelhouse. Interaction, how medication works, mechanism, um, efficacy, safety, side effects of medication. This is the pharmacist's wheelhouse. Yes. So there's a lot of um, memorizing <laughs> during pharmacy school and I've always had a good memory. memory and um, I knew I wanted to get into the healthcare, but I wasn't sure, was I gonna go into dentistry, uh, med school, pharmacy school? So I kept my options open, but I'm, my sister is really what uh, you. Dictated, my, yeah, dictated my path in a way because she was close to me, we're, we're really close, even as siblings, so she influenced me. So what, sure. what made you attract you, both in you and your sister, to the health system? What was it that did you, want, you guys wanted to help people get better yeah. and shape? What was it that uh, attracted you to that? To the healthcare. Um, I think it's probably our grandma. Okay. Our grandma, she was really sick. She had all, as I can remember, all the health problems under the sun. Yeah. Uh, she used to spend a lot of time uh, to doctor, to doctor clinics, uh, to medical clinics, I mean, and to uh, pharmacies. We had to call pharmacies, go out to pharmacy for her. Um, she spent a lot of time at the hospital. She was, um, um, undergoing when she was alive she was undergoing dialysis so we've seen like how my grandma was handling all the medical treatments all the medications and we've seen the people that work with her the doctors the nurses the pharmacy uh, the pharmacists so I think that's what really got us familiarized with uh, being a healthcare provider because at at the core, at, at, uh, at our home, we were uh, caregivers with, for our grandmas. Yes. So for us, it only made sense for us to go into that lane of uh, healthcare. Okay, good. So you also study um, at University de Laval in uh, management for pharmacy. Yes. So this yeah. is something I want to talk because we most people think they, they, they study uh, pharmacies. You go to, of course, you have to go to a uh, your doctorate and everything. So you go to, you went to University of Montreal, but you also did an, a, another, another field in management. 
because most pharmacists need to know about how to manage a team, how to manage the business. When I go to my pharmacist, I don't see him as an entrepreneur. I see him more like, a, you say, like a medical provider. So mm-hmm. that's why I want to talk about it. I think most most people, they, they, they see the pharmacist the same way as I, as I see it, like a medical person. So I want to talk about that side of entrepreneurship. What did you learn at University in Laval? Yes, so that's an amazing question because being a pharmacist is not one thing. There's other facades to being a pharmacist. Um, And like you mentioned, we have the business aspect of pharmacy or being an entrepreneur. And uh, this is not all pharmacists are like that. Most pharmacists are just um, or, or just, or only, or satisfied. I'm not going to say just in a way that's, that's not good, or satisfied with being, uh, with being uh, only a healthcare provider. Okay. But pharmacists are at the opportunity, especially in Quebec, of owning a pharmacy. And um, as opposed to the rest of Canada, or as opposed to the U.S., pharmacists here in Quebec has the exclusive right of ownership when it comes to a pharmacist. Okay. So in order to own a pharmacy in Quebec, you have to be a pharmacist. Okay. So you only have to 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 have to be a pharmacist, and then you can own a pharmacy. pharmacy. You can buy. Do you like? Can you just open one, or you have to like buy like a pharmacy? Yes, there's different way to have a pharmacy. You can start a startup. Yes. That's pretty difficult, especially in Montreal. There's a pharmacy at every street corner. Um, It's like a market that's not saturated, but pharmacies are not not, uh, missing here. Let's put it that way. So a startup is pretty hard to to have or to manage. Um, Most people, they buy an existing pharmacy. Exactly. For instance, a pharmacist as close to retirement wants to sell his pharmacy, and then you buy the pharmacy from uh, the retiring pharmacist. Yes. Yeah. And um, what I learned in um, in um, University of Laval is to manage um, is pharmacy management because being a business owner, you need to develop de- develop skills that. Uh, the PharmD, the Doctorate of Pharmacy, don't teach you. Don't teach you. Pharm, uh, the Doctorate of Pharmacy, the PharmD teaches you to be a, a clinician, a healthcare provider. It doesn't teach you how to be an entrepreneur, how to manage a team or uh, human resources or marketing, how to market your pharmacy. It doesn't teach you that. So that's why I needed to, after my PharmD, to sign up for um for a, for a program to learn more about the management of pharmacy, how to be a um, all around good uh, pharmacy businessman or pharma- pharmacy manager. Exactly. Yeah. So, having that experience, do you take because you say not all of them like go towards that path? I mean, yeah. like, uh, business uh, experience, background, studies. So do you think that it makes a big difference when you have that background and you think more, more you think just you think about yourself more as an entrepreneur than a pharmacist? Do you think you, you have a more a big advantage? It depends. I think it depends on each person's um, personal goals. Even in real life, not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur, not everybody's meant to own a business. So it depends really on the person and what kind of personality you have. 
So me, as long as you do what you love and you're happy where you are, I think in that way, that's a big advantage. I think being happy in what you do is a big advantage. So for a pharmacist who would like only to work uh, at a community pharmacy and not really um, manage a pharmacy or be a pharmacist owner, um, manage people, manage money, yeah. If that person is happy in being a clinician, only a clinician, I I think that person has, has won in his way because he's happy. I think that's a real victory when you're happy in what you do. And um, the same thing, some pharmacists, they don't like to work in uh, community pharmacies. Community pharmacies are the pharmacies that you talk about, the big banners, uh, Jean Coutu, uh, the pharmacies that we have on every street corner. But some pharmacies are more comfortable working the hospitals because there are pharmacists in hospitals. <laughs> yes, yes, true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So they, they treat the inpatients. Okay. Other pharmacists work uh, in, in the industry. So with pharmaceutical companies, they get to travel, they get to uh, be researchers in uh, manufacturing new medications and stuff. So I think that's what I love about the profession of pharmacists, like multifaceted. There's different lanes for everybody. Exactly. So you can choose your lane, like you say, you can work yes. with people and community pharmacies, you can have your own pharmacy. So everyone has to choose their own path. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You were talking about community pharmacies. You mentioned a group Janko too. I think you did almost all of them, like Proxim, group Janko too, Chopper Rock Map. And, and even now you're in a startup, you have your own startup group, Horizon Santé. So what are the differences between those the, the ones that you did and now when you have your own startup. Like I know that Group Janko is one of the biggest one in Quebec. So they have a system, very different system than your own startup. So what did you learn for a community yeah. pharmacy? First to correct you, it's not my pharmacy, it's not my startup. I just worked there as a head pharmacist okay. um, and um, it's an independent pharmacy. I think uh, the main difference is um, I've, even like a store, you go to a restaurant, they each have their own styles. Yes. That's what makes them different. It's not that they're doing something bad. They all have their own style and they play on different strengths. So the main difference that could, that that's between a small independent pharmacy versus a big franchise, like the one that you name yes. is um, I'm not, gonna say that um, it, it's the approach, it's the approach. Some people, it depends on the patient too. Huh? As a patient or a client, some people, they like to go in a pharmacy and see that they have many choices, that they can buy anything. There's more than just medication. It's like a grocery store. They can buy stuff and uh, they have long opening hours. For instance, people who work late, uh, that finish work at eight o'clock. They will like a pharmacy that closed late at ten o'clock. That's these people, uh, these patients and clients will go towards those big franchises more. Yeah. Okay. Whereas the patients who wants, uh, you know, a neighborhood pharmacy uh, with not too many people and have a really close relationship with their pharmacist and. Uh, like, uh, you know, those malt restaurants that you see, like, uh, yeah, with uh, that family vibe. Yeah, the restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So these people will go will oftentimes go towards more independent and um, smaller pharmacies. So it's different. They're all good in their way. They all play on different strengths. And uh, it really depends on, yes, the pharmacist that's going to work there. You need to find a pharmacy that suits your personality, yes. but also for the clientele, for the patients and for the clients, um, depending on what kind of vibe do you want as a, as a patient or what kind of service do you want, you will offer one or the other. Because you mentioned just now that some people like to have that kind of a special relationship with the pharmacies that they know each other. Like mm -hmm. I go to towards that independent pharmacies. I know that pharmacies, I always go there. You think, you think for them is, is a good way to, to, know, to get the medication because the pharmacist already knows him. Because if you go to like a big franchise, I can go, I just go and I never really see the pharmacist. Just but, something happens. Like um, Yeah, but I want to rectify that. It's not because you go to a big pharmacy or a big franchise that you're, you won't have a close relationship with your pharmacy. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the pharmacist itself. It doesn't depend on the pharmacy. Okay. okay, because uh, me, I worked at Jean Coutu in Pharmapri. I had a really close relationship with uh, some patients. They knew my, they knew my name. I, I knew their name. It really depends on the person, yes. uh, first and foremost, not on the pharmacy. So that's why I would say that the pharma, the service, and the proximity that you can get with your health provider, with your pharmacist, in that case. Uh, doesn't matter in which pharmacy you're going. It could be an independent pharmacy or a big pharmacy. It really depends on the pharmacist himself, or you know what I'm, you know what I mean. How about the person inside, the Yeah, on the person, their availability, how the pharmacy is organized. Uh, because uh, even for big pharmacies, they're not organized the same way. Sometimes you can go to a uh, Jean Coutu at this side of the city. That's operates like that the service is like that and you come go to another Jean Coutu where people are different uh, the 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 customer service is different is better so even within big pharmacies there are differences you know yes I was not like paint them with the same brush yeah depends on the people that manage it, that that pharmacy yes yes it depends on the people that manage their pharmacies and the people themselves yes. but Every pharmacist has their own strengths. Like I've been to different environments, different workplaces, and I can tell you I picked something, um, I left with something amazing, a learning experience from each of these pharmacies. Yes. Yeah. A so pharmacist as important as doctors, you, know, you put, we put doctors in a big pedestal because they, they, they take care of ourselves. Like we go and see our doctors, they prescribe us medications, but sometimes we don't we don't we don't really realize that the pharmacist is, is as important as your doctor is that right yeah. it it's not a matter of importance it's a matter of um, complementing each other yeah because uh, as i mentioned previously we all have as health professionals we all have our superpowers you. Uh, you know have you been uh, are you a superhero fanatic or yes yes I do. yes <laughs> um, so um la ligue des superheroes i don't know how to say it in english yes like um the comics book you see that there's a 
they're they were a forefront of superheroes and they all have different superpowers they work together they save the world together yeah. and that's it's the same thing with health professionals so uh doctors have their superpowers that pharmacists don't have pharmacists have superpowers that um doctors don't have nurses have their superpowers um dentists have their superpowers and even within the pharmacy pharmacy technicians that's people that people don't always acknowledge but they're they're really the backbone of the pharmacy without them pharmacists pharmacists wouldn't be the way they are right now exactly yeah so pharmacists are like superman <laughs> yes um like i mentioned the doctor their superpower is physical exam diagnosis and um um yeah diagnosis and physical exam this is not in the pharmacy pharmacist realms of um of acts that we can do this is a doctor's lane but when the doctor diagnoses something he prescribes a medication it has to go through the pharmacist because the pharmacist is like the police he uh -huh. sees that if the treatment the right person get the right treatment for the right reason under the right conditions and for the right reasons yes that's our job <laughs> so if we see something that's not um appropriate we contact the doctor we ask the patient uh, we ask uh, the patient questions we send recommendations to doctors and now with the new law that has passed in quebec especially considering the pandemic and doctors are on, are a lot on are under a lot of pressure pharmacists now can do many things in terms of prescribing exactly. we can initiate treatments now we can do some sort of um to a certain extent, um, physical exam or mental exam. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do just to um, alleviate the health system. And uh, for instance, people that go to the emergency, uh, there was a survey, a study that has been done saying that pharmacists have saved more than, I don't know, uh, I don't know the exact number, but a considerable amount of money to the healthcare system when it comes to preventing emergency visits. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay? Yes. Because some people, they go to the emergency <laughs> for a flu, <laughs> for a little cough or a little sneeze. Not as much right now because now people are scared with COVID. <laughs> But uh, even before COVID, people used to go to the, uh, to the emergency and, um, And for any reason and for really mild problems that could have been solved at the pharmacy. <laughs> exactly. And um, now pharmacists are really proactive in um, helping people and people know that pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare provider. Exactly. Because it, we're the most accessible. Yeah, the thing is because we always go, whenever we have something, we always want to go and ask a doctor. You know, you always, yeah. always want to go get an appointment with a doctor. Yeah. And people are trying to see that your, your pharmacist is there for you. He's more available and you can get, you can get something right away. Right away. Yeah. You don't have to take an appointment. There's no waiting. Pharmacies are open every day and there's even uh, 24 seven pharmacies. So, and people have come to realize that more and more that's how pharmacies allow the healthcare system to save a lot of money when it comes to emergency visits 
yes, because, <laughs> because you can go there and yes, you can get something right away, a treatment right away. Yeah, yeah, treatment right away. If it's something really severe that you for which you should see a doctor, the pharmacy will tell you to consult. So the role of the pharmacy is to tell people when to consult. I'm not gonna lie. Most people don't like to see the doctors. They don't like to go at the emergency and wait eight hours. Yeah. So they could be like have a hemorrhage or bleeding from their sc their scalp. They'll come at the pharmacy and ask you, "Oh, what can I, what can I put over this big lump?" And you're like, "Oh, sir, I think that you need to go see a doctor for that." And people's a lot of people don't want to go to the emergency and wait there or see a doctor. They want to solve their problem quick yeah. so uh, so like way. mentioned it's a good like way. i mentioned part of the pharmacist job is to um redirect people to the right uh, healthcare professionals sometimes it's not always doctors we tell people you need to go send optometrist a dentist a physio so our role is really to direct people at the right places exactly so we were really into that subject uh, i want to talk about you say that Pharmacists have more, a little bit more power than before because of the pandemic, and they wanna, they wanna. We government wants to help the doctors also. So let's talk about about that. Let's talk about the vaccines. I know that right now uh, pharmacists can now vaccinate here people uh, in Quebec. Yeah, it started this week. Yes, yeah, this week we were what like the 20, uh, 25 of March, mm -hmm. twenty one. So yeah, starting this week in Quebec. You guys can vaccinate vaccinate people. Is is it is it the pharmacist that does the vaccination? Is like somebody else that comes in that does it? It depends on the pharmacy, uh, but pharmacists now are allowed to vaccinate to be a vaccinator. Some pharmacies will have a mix of pharmacy or nurses. Yes. And um, yes, but pharmacies or it could be a nurse. I know that in, at other places in Canada, pharmacy technicians are allowed to vaccinate, but not here in Quebec. Not in Quebec, so somebody. We're not there yet. Good, but talking about that um, vaccination, because look, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I want to talk about vaccine vaccines. So usually, it takes a long time to create a vaccine. You know, it takes longer. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of. Uh, they have to try and test to see if it works. So it takes maybe five four or five years. I don't know how long it does it take, but I know it takes longer. So COVID-19 hits in 2019, 2020, and now 20, around the beginning of 2021, 20, the end of 2020, we already have a vaccine. It took like almost like not even one year. How, how did it did it to make a vaccine so fast? Um, there's uh, usually when you develop a vaccine or a medication, a pharmaceutical company want to manufacture a vaccine or a medication, there's a lot, there's an um, initial, initial phase of the process that can be very complicated and very long. Yeah. <laughs> and that phase is even before starting to develop uh, the product. And uh, usually that phase uh, involves uh, looking for investors, investors to invest in the, the development of the vaccine. We need the resources, we need the researchers, we need the human resources, we need the appliances, we need, there's a lot of things that are needed. And these, this phase can take sometimes several years to accomplish. Yes. Yes. But what was different with these vaccines 
is that all that bureaucratic red tape that usually pharmaceutical companies face when they want to develop a vaccine, that right for the pandemic, that didn't happen. Okay. Because why? Because when that pandemic hit, the world, the world economy crashed. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you were playing with people's money. Yes. So uh, let's say that uh, when you play with people's money, people are really, uh, they want to act quick. And quick. part of acting quick was investing and subsizing these companies. So all the researchers, universities, they all mobilized. They got the money from all the governments and all the investors, all the big companies and corporations in the world. They got their money right away. They got their resources right away. They got things didn't like last for didn't last too long or last several years for it for them to start working on the vaccine. They could start they could start working on the vaccines quickly, and that thing, that's what made the real difference. Because after that, when they started developing the vaccines, all the steps that we have, uh, they need to run clinical trials, whether it's for, uh, to prove efficacy, to prove safety. They had to also um, abide to um, manufacture their standards yeah. and uh, quality control. They had to prove all that to Health Canada here and in the state, the FDA and all the health agencies in the world. The, the companies that that developed these vaccines had to prove that. Okay. So that wasn't short circuited. <laughs> so you say there was surely a manufacturer. So that's why these vaccines came out right, that fast. Yeah, the access to the resources was way quicker for this time. The access to money, the access to the resources, the access to the people, the access to the scientists, the access to the appliances to all the material that we needed, it was quicker, much quicker. It was a matter of like yes. a few months. So do you think now that we know that they can, de can develop any kind of medication that faster, do you know that they will implement that system towards other stuff? Because we know, we used to think that it takes a long time, but now yeah. that we know it takes a couple of months. Do you think that they will that it depends on the it depends on the emergency of the situation <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to get political here yeah, yeah. if people money people's money is at stake you better <laughs> you better believe that things are gonna go quick <laughs> <laughs> depends on the emergency and also i'm not gonna say that okay it was done quick because people were losing money i'm not gonna say that mm -hmm. it was a pandemic so people were dying too Exactly. Yeah, that's what the emergency of the human toll, the hu the so so societal burden. People were dying. People were losing their jobs. Uh, people were get you know, all the societal consequences of the pandemic. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that factored in also. That played a huge role in uh, speeding up the process. Yes. Of yeah. accessing the resources. So that one of the 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 biggest question those people have they they understand that it was made fast because there a lot of people were dying and they needed to restore the economy but most people think that because they were made they were made fast there's maybe some secondary effects to yes that, that, I, right 
I totally get that um, that concern, but um, I, that's why I took the time to explain what was made fast in that process. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. It wasn't the clinical trials that were made fast. Okay. It was more the initial phase of resource access. Okay. And the red tape that's usually there, but this time the red tape was taken off. <laughs> so the resources were were easy uh, were easily accessed. So that's what uh, sped up the 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 process. And another thing, the vaccines. I don't know if you looked at how um, what are the vaccines, especially the main two that we talk about a lot, the Pfizer and the Moderna. Yeah. These vaccines, um, how they've been uh, developed, they've been developed with a new technology, a new technology that's not really, let's say, long to, 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 to do. Okay. It's not really long to execute. Uh, it's a pretty simple technology, and that really helped to save some time, too, in the development of the vaccine. Is this a new technology? Yes. The new technology, because um, in these vaccines, there's no virus inside these vaccines. What has been used in these vaccines is the uh, mRNA of the virus. So it's like the DNA of the virus, a piece of DNA. Okay. That's it. That's what's inside these vaccines. And that, that's something that has not been done with other vaccines. So that's why, considering that it's only a piece of DNA, the, the process was much quicker. It was much easier to do. And also um, considering that it's not the real virus, not the whole virus that's inside the, the vaccine, it makes it kind of safer. Yes. It's less likely to cause any uh, side effects or important side effects. You know, why did, it, why did, it, did it, they didn't try that before, that kind of new technology, or this is something like completely new? Like I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know why I say I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe the the urgency of the uh, of the situation okay. played into that. I'm pretty sure it's something a new technology. They probably have had data from the past on scientists or researchers that already tried that technology. Yeah. But uh, with the context of uh, COVID and uh, the urgency of the situation. Um, most likely they decided to try this um, to try this technology this new technology they ran uh, clinical trials and they see they saw that it was effective it was safe for the for um, for the period of time that they tested it so they went for it but we can we cannot say that there's not a secondary effect maybe it could affect some people badly than others that's that's how what I was happening with vaccines no yes and like I'm gonna tell you what I always tell my patients yes. for whether it's for vaccines or medications. Side effects are not guarantees. Okay. People think side effects, oh, I'm gonna get it for sure. There are <laughs> possibilities. Okay. <laughs> okay? That's a distinction. <laughs> there are some side effects that are more common for a particular vaccine or medication. Yes. And there are side effects that are very, very rare. Okay. <laughs> that happens in one person in a one hundred thousand or a million. But it's, it's like the lot. It's like the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because people think there's always something, but like, yeah, there's always something. Yeah. yeah. It, 
in many things that we do as people, there's always a risk in something. There's a risk in taking the plane. There's a risk in driving your car. There's a risk in everything. So that's the same thing in health. In healthcare, it's all of it's always a matter of weighing benefits, risk. Where are, what are the benefits versus the risk? If the risk outweigh the benefits, we're not going to choose that option for you or for the population. Yeah. If it's the contrary, the benefits outweigh the risk, we're going to use it. Exactly. Exactly. And in this situation with the vaccines the benefits clearly outweigh the risk. I'm not saying that there's no risk and like you said, that there's no side effects. No, it's not that that I'm saying. The benefits of these vaccines are higher than the risk. Okay. And in life, like, like I mentioned, there's nothing that's really risk-free, huh? if we looked at it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, that's how, how I'll put it. No. Another subject, maybe they go, it goes together with vaccines. So as soon as we start uh, vaccinating a lot of people, they say, they say like in June, most people in, most elderly people in Quebec are gonna be all vaccinated and then the Jogans one, they're gonna, they're gonna start vaccinating the Jogans one. Um, I, wanna, I wanna talk about masks. Are we gonna still keep in masks, the mask even with people vaccinated? Uh, me, um... I'm not an expert in public health. Yeah. I think that's going to be the decision of the government and all the advisors that they have, Dr. Arruda and stuff. <laughs> that's their, they make these type of decisions and depending on the results that we get out of the vaccination. Mm-hmm. And um, have we reached herd immunity? Uh, will a good percentage of the population get vaccinated? Because to reach community immunity, which is also known as herd immunity, we need to reach a certain percentage and uh, to how much this percentage has been evaluated, this is the public health that's gonna decide that. Me personally, like I I mentioned, I'm not an expert. I'm just saying my humble opinion is um, depending on what we're gonna see with these vaccines because now we know these vaccines are effective up to a certain percentage yes but we don't know for sure for how long mm. they're effective the clinical trials has been have been conducted for 3 months so we know they're at least effective for 3 months okay so considering that i'm not 100% sure that uh, all once we all get vaccinated, we won't need any masks, all the measures are gonna be lifted because there's still some things to discover with the vaccines. Okay. There's still new information unraveling with these vaccines. So um, it's all gonna depend. We can make predictions. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, people were making predictions that by the end of like 2020, everything's gonna go back to normal, mm-hmm. but how wrong were we? We were really wrong. So. Yeah. And even the COVID, the coronavirus, is still a new virus that's evolving. It's been there for a year now, but we still have a lot to discover about this, vi- this yeah, virus. Sure. And yeah. now there's variants. Yeah. <laughs> you heard about the variants. So yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's 
a lot of like uncertainty. So to say for sure that, oh, we're gonna get back to normal after uh, the vaccination campaign, I'm not gonna say that. For sure, it's gonna be, it's gonna help us a lot. If we don't get back to normal, we get close to normal. Yes. <laughs> That's for sure. And, um, but it needs to be a concerted effort. It needs to be a collective effort. It shouldn't be like people doing one part of the efforts and the other part of the population don't do anything. No, we need to work together in order to make it work and to make that vaccination rollout worthwhile and uh, beneficial. Yes, because most people now, they're starting to get that fatigue that, uh, you know, they are, they've been like almost one year and a half in a lockdown and yeah. they can't go to work and maybe they lost their job. So there's, we see in the, now it is, it's, it's almost summer here where we are spring, but it's, it's very hot. So people are just going outside, no mask. Yeah. Yeah, there's time to get together. So maybe we don't know, maybe there's another wave. So yes, yeah. I think like we're not done, we're not one done with our vaccination rollout. But uh, people need to understand that even during the vaccination rollout, they need to keep the measures because we're even in uh, Canada and Quebec, we're really behind in terms of uh, number of people vaccinated that are vaccinated. Yeah. So we're not even half of, half of the population. We're far from being half of the population that's vaccinated. So yeah. we need to keep our measures. <laughs> So and make sure that there's not that we don't create a second a uh, third wave. Third wave, yeah. Talking about that, I I don't know if you like you've been following the the other countries like the UK and Israel. They they did it very yes. fast. I wonder what was the how did they did it so fast to get the the people vaccinated? Almost all of them. This is pretty much a political question. Oh. I'm not a politician. I don't know the behind the scenes uh, that going, that's going on with our uh, prime ministers, Legault and Trudeau, yeah. and the deal that they signed with the uh, companies. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I cannot tell you why we were so slow in our process of vaccinating compared to other countries. Um, maybe, I think it's political and logistic. Yeah. And, uh, as a pharmacist that you see people coming to get vaccinated, do you see people telling you that, oh, I didn't want it to do it? Do you see some- Oh, yes. People are concerned. People have a lot of questions. People, yeah, are really reluctant. Reluctant, yeah. People, I'm saying people, that it's not everybody, but some people, some people, for sure. People address their concerns and talk to us because they, they try to- that's what they they come to the pharmacy. They want answers. Mm -hmm. Most times, people rely on what they read on the internet, and sometimes when we what we read on the internet is scary and it's not always reliable. Yeah. So they come to us to uh, fact check and to make sure that things are. That's why you you're the pharmacist. You background everything. You explain to yeah. them. So you making yeah. them. This is what's going on. This is. Because you, you made a video about that, talking about uh, you can go Dr. Google or you can come see the pharmacist, which is, that video was good. I listened to it. So because most people just go towards Google and say, I, what can I do if I'm sick when they can't yeah. go to you? So, yeah. and this is something that I really like about you, like 
that you put a lot of effort in, into your social media to educate people. You have yeah. a YouTube channel that has a thousand followers, which you've been growing since last year. And I like your videos when you talk and you do it in both language, French and English. So you educate people like about vaccines, about the secondary effects of the vaccine, about COVID, about masks, and yeah. also about generic drugs because When I go to the to my pharmacist, they always ask me, "Do you want the general general drugs?" I say, "Okay, but I don't even know what they, what they are." So, can you explain what are those? Um, generic drugs are essentially copies of the brand name drugs. Yes, <laughs> they're copies. So it's the same medication that is that inside that's inside the medication yeah. as a brand name equivalent um, in a comparable equivalent amount to. So that's the they're the same so considering that they have the same active ingredient active ingredient is the medication the molecule that does the therapeutic uh effect yeah uh, this is the same in both the generic and the brand name okay what is different is all the things that just uh as presentation the form the color of the pill uh the shape so that's what different about them okay so like the branding because tiny the logic. branding yes the branding they don't have the same name and ultimately what's different also is the price okay why i can explain um i can give you the the story in the in a nutshell yeah um it's because the brand names the brand name companies they're the ones that invented the medication okay So there's a one that really paid for everything. They paid for the resources. They paid for the clinical trial. They paid for everything to prove, to develop that medication. They also had to uh, pay for the promotion of the medication and make the medication known among uh, health professionals. So there was a lot of money that was invested in creating that medication. Okay. And once they have all their things together, all their efficacy and safety proven, they go through the health agencies, Canada Health Canada in the United States is the FDA. Yes. And they get their approval from them and they hit the market. Okay. Once they hit the market, they have a patent that's been, um, that they've been granted, a patent of four, uh, 15 years saying that they're the only one that's allowed to make this medication. So now they can, um, they can get their return on investment because they're the only one that can make the medication. Okay. But after 15 years of being on the market, that's where generic companies come into play. Okay. Because the patent has expired. Now they can take the recipe of the uh, brand name and copy it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But as opposed to the brand name, considering that the brand name has paid for all the, the research and for all the advance and deep work, they have to invest much less money. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay? That's why they end up being cheaper. But it's the they're same not cheaper because they're, they're of bad quality or they're, they're of lesser quality. No, they're cheaper because the money that's been invested, the, the big part of the work that they had to pay for had been done by the brand name company. Okay. So okay. I, guess, 
I guess the company that owns TinyLot made a lot of money for those. TinyLot they made a lot of money for those fifteen years. Yeah, Penta, like you're talking about the stomach med, the stomach medication. No, the TinyLot for the head. Ah, TinyLot. Okay, Tylenol. Yes, Tylenol. Man, till this day, man, Tylenol. Uh, yeah, it's Even now, one of the know. most sold uh, over-the-counter medication. Oh yeah. Oh wow. But, yes, everybody. People, like you have something, go get some Tylenol. Don't even. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they yes. become like a brand name. Yeah, people like the brand names. People think it's like designers, designer clothes. Exactly. It's not because designers clothes they want the real brand name because they say that's a real one better quality but it's not the same thing for medication yeah exactly so that's why you have to that's why you made those videos to educate the people yeah about it because and, like, yeah and more um and also specifically educate the youth millennials about health and about the medication and how taking care of yourself is important whether it's physically mentally and spiritually and now, um, like you've noticed with my video, I focus more on young entre entrepreneurs yes. because I deeply feel that part of entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur uh, is being healthy. Yes. Because you can lose your, uh, your mind. You can, if you're not physically healthy, you don't sleep well, you don't eat well, you don't exercise, you don't go see your doctor once in a while, you don't know which medication to take for uh, certain problems it's going to take its toll and it's going to be detrimental to your entrepreneurship journey. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point of reaching your success and your goals and you're not healthy and you're not happy or not, you don't feel well or something happens to you. Yes, exactly. That, that's the point because I hear a lot of stories about people, about entrepreneurs that get the money, they work hard, but the, the health is destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we talk a lot about uh, ment uh, entrepreneurs' mental health, mm -hmm. which is a big part of entrepreneurship because if you're not strong mentally and healthy mentally, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know as an entrepreneur that uh, <laughs> you can lose your mind easily in that process. So yeah. it's really something that you need to look after and take care of. Uh, but the physical aspect of it too, yeah. uh, we need to work out because I see physical, mental health, and even spiritual health, they're all connected. And I've lived it personally that when one of these components is not doing well, it will overlap and it will affect the other ones. Yeah. Try for a week not to like work out and eat junk food for a week, exercise, uh, not, not, not even a week, let's say two weeks. Mm -hmm. Try really like to not take care of your physical health. And notice the difference that they'll have on your mental health. Yes, you feel it right away. You feel it. Right yeah. Away. You feel more tired. You can't. You concentrate less. Energy wise. Yeah. Yeah. When impact your business because you need to be yeah. shaped, concentrate. If you feel bad, everything's gonna be bad after. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I feel part of mental health also is to deal with your inner attacks, your inner insecurities. Yeah, because anxiety is something that a, a lot of entrepreneurs have. Anxiety lives rent-free in our minds. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's something that we should manage. And as we know, anxiety can be a, a, a mental disorder too. Yeah. 
if you know, if it's not managed well or if it it gets out of hand it affects your functioning it's considered a medical mental disorder yeah sometimes we say i have anxiety but we use the word like loosely to say that we're we're stressed or we're nervous or we're, we're going through a stressful situation but anxiety um we use it loosely but it can be more serious exactly so talking about that subject because you see it like if you see something somebody that has like an injury in his body you see it right away like he broke his legs his arm so you he goes to the pharmacies and you you see it right away okay he broke his arm so i'm gonna prescribe he's gonna get this type of medication but you see somebody that has a mental health problem you don't see it from the outside so that yeah. a lot of people don't like you see, oh, I'm, I'm very tired. I almost, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm anxious. People just go, go get, a, go exercise, go, uh, you know, go sleep. But they don't see that inside that person is suffering. How do yeah. we, how do we change that perspective? I think uh, the best ways to start communicating, like we say, is um, many times for mental disorders or mental health, we don't see it from the outside. Mm-hmm the only way for people to notice it and to process it is when we communicate, when you say, you talk. A lot of people, when they go through different uh, difficult events, trials or mental roadblocks or mental disorders, they isolate, they don't speak about it. They keep it hidden because there's a, we're not gonna lie, there's a stigma still on mental health and on uh, mental uh, illnesses. Yeah. So I think we need to get over that stigma and to um, start communicating and pay attention to each other because sometimes not all, everybody's going to communicate their feelings or communicate what they're going through. But if you're a listener and you watch people, you're a good observer, you can't see when someone is not doing well. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's only, we can't fake it for, to a certain extent, but if you don't pay attention and you don't observe people, talk to people or care about people, there's a lot of things that you're going to miss. Just being attention, people, some people live in the same house, but they don't even know what their children are going through. Exactly. Because they don't talk, they don't see each other. The parents are so busy, busy, busy working. The the child or the teenager spend all day in his room. Husband and wives that are so caught up in working, they don't even know when the person, uh, their spouse is doing, is not doing well mentally. So I think it's really important to uh, take care and observe, listen. Sometimes we want to reply so quick. We don't, uh, or we dismiss someone's feelings. Oh no, you're not feeling like that. Yeah. Oh no, go, like you said, uh, you tell the person, I'll oh, just go take a walk. Yeah, <laughs> because we don't see it. We don't see it. We don't see it, but you need to listen and to get the person to open up yeah. for, for you to see it. Uh, sometimes you see it, but in your head is, oh, the person is just like acting out or it's just a phase. You see that the person sleeps all day. That person doesn't eat anymore. Yeah. That person is always crying. It's going to get better. It's going to get no, better. It's going to get better. It's just a phase. <laughs> it's just a phase. 
And I even did a video, uh, a presentation to a church because I'm Christian. And uh, as I previously mentioned, um, spiritual health is really important for me. It, yeah. To me, it's as important as uh, physical and mental health, your, spirit, your spirituality, knowing that there's somebody that has your back, that's above you, that, uh, that covers you, some, believing something bigger than yourself. Yes, I, sense I think that's really important and that takes away a lot of stress in someone's life. <laughs> yeah, you need to find a meaning. So spirituality, when you have a meaning in the way you do, in the way you do things and how life works, when you know that there's somebody there to help you, there's a meaning, that's why you feel better. Yeah, because I feel if you put all the pressure on your shoulders saying that I'm alone, I need to control my life, I need to do things my way, that's so much pressure for a human being, for a human yeah. that in my head, you're going to eventually collapse or make uh, mistakes or break under the pressure. Yes. So for me, it's really a good coping mechanism to send all my worries and to lift up that burden off of my shoulders and put it in the hands of someone that's more powerful and that has my best interest at heart, which is God to me, exactly. you know? Yes. And that's, that's going to make everything work out for the better for me. Exactly. And if I go back to the presentation I did at the church, yes. um, because I find there's a big connection between spiritual health and spirituality and mental health. And um, what I've noticed oftentimes in Christian church, um, I'm pretty sure in other religions, it could be the same too, is sometimes when people are going uh, through mental health, whether it's depression, anxiety, bipolar, um, it's easy to point the finger and say that, oh, that person doesn't pray enough, that person uh, has a little faith, oh, that person is this, it's a demon, it's a spirit. Yeah. It's really hard to, yes, to judge and to... <laughs> point the finger and say and dismiss the mental issue yeah so that's why i did this presentation to really educate the the church and uh, bring awareness to the church to mental illness it's not there's not there's not um always a spiritual aspect of mental illness yes because when let's say somebody suffers from, from a bipolar bipolar yes People like they will say, "Oh, she's she's crazy." Like, yeah, and, and oh, she's possessed by a demon, like you said. So that's why you have to, especially in religion, you have to change that mindset. Look, yeah, he, he's sick. Like he's yeah. has something. He's injuring inside. Yeah, yeah. So I did this presentation to help people differentiate that the medical aspect of it, and to not always over spiritual spiritualize things. Yeah. over spiritualized thing and um i'm really happy people are really receptive and the church uh, because i think that our faith in dealing with mental illness can be used not to justify or to explain why i have this mental illness but we should use our faith in order to fight the mental illness pray god to put the right people in, on our path to find the right doctors that's going to understand us find the right uh, psychotherapist 
because there's a, also a big stigma with psychotherapy and with taking antidepressants. Yeah. I know a lot of people are reluctant towards that and they have their ideas of what uh, antidepressants or psychotherapy is going to do to their brain. It's going to alter their brain. It's not that. So I had to debunk all those myths and stigmas that people had about that. Yeah. So yeah, um, uh, that presentation is on my YouTube channel. And it was a Zoom uh, conference. So if, if people want to go check it out, especially people that are involved in the church that are Christians and they, they, they'd like to have some insight on um, how to deal with depression, yes, that, that would be a good presentation for, you, for people. So when, uh, talking about that, so if people want to contact you and they want to go to YouTube YouTube channel, I guess is um, the Pharma Coach. Yes, Moses the Pharma Coach. Moses the Pharma Coach. So if you want to contact and especially if you want to see that video about him talking about mental health, you can go to his uh, YouTube channel. I'm going to put all the links so you can contact him. Um, well, you know, I think mental health, mental health is going to be something that we're going to still talking about, especially because I don't know when this pandemic is going to be over, but we already seen it. There's some people that, that are suffering from mental health. You know, they stay inside, they're maybe in an ab abused relationship, they, they get more anxious, they can exercise. So I think this is something that we're still gonna talk about it in the next decade, decade, like in the next years, like five, six years, because mental health is so, like, let's talk about physical health. Mm -hmm. People go to the gym, they exercise, they get in better shape. And they used to have they used to have a problem before like about physical health. A lot of people were in bad shape. Now they take take they eat well and they take take care of them of themselves. Now we have to talk about mental health. This is the next thing that we have to take care of of mental. Yes. Health. Yeah, for sure, for sure. In this pandemic, let's say as we're gonna live with the consequences and that legacy that mental legacy of the pandemic and the scars for sure because uh, if you look at the news and uh, and even the all the mental health mental health institutions have seen their numbers of people with mental health issues skyrocket yeah hospitals psychiatric institutions and um yeah so there's a lot of damage that this pandemic has done to people's mental health and we see it even at the pharmacy mm -hmm. at the pharmacy even the number of antidepressants that i'm serving has really increased mm -hmm. yeah you you see it you see it you, you see yeah. it and that's uh, that's what i like about my job is with my job considering that i'm in the community and pharmacy is really you get you can get many things at the pharmacy and you serve all the medications at the pharmacy so you can really see um, the problems or what people are going through at large in the community yes you see. before i was a pharmacist i didn't know that many people were depressed mm -hmm. that that many people were on antidepressants people that you would have never noticed people that you would have never guessed <laughs> yes so the pharmacy, pharmacy has really opened my eyes to, to the many, the burden of, of health on our society, um, meaning um, physical health. Uh, many people that are diabetic, blood pressure, heart problems, uh, 
people uh, that uh, with mental uh, uh, health problems like anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disease, um, all these little things that you see that's, oh, okay, I don't, I didn't know. I didn't know. And uh, people go to the pharmacies, the pharma to pharmacies and they, they develop a uh, trust relationship with their pharmacists rapidly. Yes, yes. A lot of people come to the pharmacy to like pour out their heart and to uh, <laughs> to discuss uh, their problems and stuff. So I think being a pharmacist has helped me, has really helped me develop my listening, my listening and my empathy. Yes. Empathy. Empathy, yes. Yes, that's a, that's something that you talk a lot in your videos. Empathy, and uh, listen, listen to other people, be self-aware, and I think that's a good thing. Like we almost almost at the end of the podcast, so I want to just yeah. talk about um about about that educational thing that you are doing right now because I see that you're mostly right now into entrepreneurs. You want to help young entrepreneurs with the health, mental physical spirituality so you do a lot of videos and that's a good thing because i i watch your videos and i learn a lot about the the myths about vaccines you know dr google you know so that i like those videos so what make you what made you decide to really put yourself on, on the social media because i personally my pharmacist is not on social media he's yeah. an older guy he's you know, the only thing I, when I go and see me, see him is when I need medication, that's it. But I don't see him on social media. So what made you, you yourself as a pharmacist, as a, as a person go put a lot of content? Um, I decided to do this primarily to get out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. because I felt like God has put a message in my heart to share yeah. and not to keep for myself. And, uh, as we mentioned uh, since the beginning of the podcast interview that people tend to go to Dr. Google. <laughs> people tend to go online to get their information. Uh -huh. So it only made sense to me to reach the people is to go online. <laughs> people don't, especially the youth, because I'm not gonna lie, the elderly, they're not the ones that are on YouTube or that I can reach on YouTube. They, they're the one that come at the pharmacy and call their, the pharmacies to ask questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the young people that don't come at the pharmacy as often to ask questions. So I felt that considering that uh, millennials and the youth was my demographic, demographic I, I figured that the best way to reach to them and to talk to them about their health is to get online. Yeah. So that's that's why you just start posting on social media. But yeah. you, you don't only talk about all the medication stuff. You go really into entrepreneurship because yeah. did you see yourself more as an entrepreneur or more as a pharmacist? What what are you which one are you? Are you both? Are you like more entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. As you saw on my uh, YouTube channel, I first started making content only on medication and on yeah. health. But that's what I love about YouTube, uh, my YouTube journey is like you, you evolve, you change your direction or you find out what really stimulates you or what's really your passion. And I still, I'm still in that discovery mode. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I've been told that uh, on YouTube to know really what's your niche, you need at least 50 videos. With your 50 first videos, you're gonna you're gonna redirect yourself and hone in on what you're you really want to talk about. Yes. And um I'm still in discovery, but I feel like entrepreneurship is what that stimulates me. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself, yes, an entrepreneur, but I'm also a health professional and I, I marry the two. I'm not a, or I'm a, and I think, especially as human being, we need to realize that we're not just one thing. Exactly. That's what uh, I think society tries to make us believe that we need to be one thing. And then you need to, you need to stick to your lane and not venture out to other things. But no, I think we're all, we all have personalities. We all have various interests. And what I would advise people that are like me, that are many things and that have several interests is to sit down and find a way to um, make everything correlate. Yes. Because you can mix the two together. There's a way for you to mix the two together. Yes. Yeah, there is whether a- it's your professions, whether it's different, uh, it's what, yeah, whether it's two professions that you have, or whether it's two uh, interests that you have, two passions, there's a way to marry to marry them together and make them work and make them gel. Yes. Is so, there, is there a moment because I know that we wanted to do a podcast in 2020, and you were like, we we said yes, but then we miss each other, but. Is there a moment that you realize that I need to adapt and change my content? What was it? Like, uh, because you told me that I'm, I'm, I'm right now. I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I'm changing my stuff. What, what was the motivation? Because you say like I can do both. I can be an entrepreneur or pharmacist. But in the beginning, you were doing pharmacist content. Yeah. What, what made you change? What made me change is when I felt like the inspiration stopped coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a huge one, yeah. yeah. And I feel like when you put out self, yourself on social media, on YouTube, on Instagram, when you're not passionate or you're not convinced about what you do, it shows. Exactly. Yeah. And it feels like work. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. It does. And that was my cue to, okay, Moses, you're getting a little bored and it's hard for you to write your scripts or to convey your message, get in front of the camera. You're not enjoying it as much. So maybe that's your cue, maybe to twist or to, sh- to do a little shift mm-hmm. and uh, be authentic, authentic and true to yourself. That's when you realize that, yeah, okay. I, I yeah, that's to, where I realized that I needed to- To change a little bit. Yeah, I, to reframe. That. Yeah, reframe, that's what I was talking about. Because you're still in your path, but you change, yeah. you go and up into other stuff, other like mindset. Yeah. Yes. Still, even medication, but you're still going towards a mindset, self-awareness. Yes. It's not like I've put aside the pharmacy, pharmacist thing. No, I'm using it, but I'm using other things and I'm blending the two. And there's a way you can um, make it, you can make them work. You make you can make that blend work and make it harmonize. There's a way you need to sit down and figure out a strategy, but it's possible. Yeah, it is possible. And you did. 
you're doing great. I really love your videos. I watch yeah. them. All. Not all, but I watch them. I watch yeah. them. You have that. I think you 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 put some. It's not boring. It's funny. You you know how to catch attention, and I really like yeah. it. It's well done. What I did, edit. So yes, it's good. Yeah. And um, among the topics that I touch on, uh, not I'm touching various topics. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the. Um, the video on sexual health, uh, erectile dysfunction. <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. it. I mean, yeah, many people think that affects only older men, but it affects even men. Yeah, something like younger men. It affects younger men. Yeah. Do you so, see a lot of younger men going to get Viagra and stuff at the pharmacy? I've seen some. I, I'm not going to say a lot, but it's something that uh, people go through. And even for younger men, when they have it, for them, it's they're so ashamed about it, considering that they're young, they shouldn't be having that, that they don't go consult. So I made this video to tell them that I know that problem exists and there's our solution. You shouldn't feel ashamed about it. And sometimes when it happens, you need to find the underlying cause and some, and you need your doctor, your pharmacist to help you find that underlying cause. Yes. If you have erectile dysfunction out of nowhere and you're in your, you're in your 20s 30s you need to ask yourself questions you just don't have to sit back or think that oh i'm not gonna find i'm uh i'm not gonna go and find out why i have this problem you need to find why yeah <laughs> yes because yes my purpose with the channels also to urge people to consult too yes. when they see that's nothing is not uh normal or it's not uh adequate and adequate so before we finish i just there's something i want to talk i see with the i think uh, with the internet i think every industry has been affected you know now groceries is online you can buy everything online what about terms of medication because i know there's a lot of people that can get medication easily on the internet without even consulting like a pharmacist is that something that worries you that people just can't get any medication online without really any any approval? It's not some for sure there's gonna be um it's gonna the risk gonna come along if your medication don't go through a pharmacist or to a health professional to make sure that you're taking the right medication. Yeah. Uh, there's gonna be a risk. But in terms of does it worry me? I'm not worried because I'm not worried that I'm going to lose my job. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> because people, I feel, really need to, when it comes to their health, people still need to uh, talk to someone, okay. to talk to a real person. Yes. Especially when they have a problem. Because when we give a medication to someone or serve that, we give the first service to a medication to someone, to a patient, our job is not done yet. Okay. It's not done there. That we have to do follow-ups with that person. And if that person has side effects, we need to find ways to manage the side effects. If the medication has to be changed, we need to recommend changes to the doctor. So the job is not done after that one-time service. Okay. So I think that's going to be the problem with the online thing because people, yes, they get their medication, but if they have a problem, what do they do? And you're going to have quick, eh? 
they're gonna go and see you. <laughs> they're gonna go and see you. Yeah, but if I don't have your medical file, I don't have. I don't know what you take. <laughs> there's a problem. Because <laughs> at the at the end of the day, there's something wrong. They're gonna go see you or the doctor. So they still we still need people that yeah. help us in that. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. Well, Moses, thank you so much. It has been a good podcast. I hope people enjoyed. And I, I really enjoyed your videos. I, I, I recommend people to go and watch your videos on YouTube. I'm going to put all the links so they can go and see and contact you. And they have questions. Um, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we did it in 2021 when you, when you adapt and you feel better about your content. That's, yes. that's what I like. Yes. Thank you for having me. And what you're doing is amazing. Um, put your platform for entrepreneurs to talk about what they do uh, that's really um, I really like your spirit and what uh, you're about your mission your purpose thank you that's really inspiring thank you keep up the good work thank you so thank you so much for the people that watch it bye thank you so bye. much thank you. thank you so much for listening until the end I greatly appreciate uh, if you can leave a review a comment on Apple Podcasts Spotify or Google Podcasts that would be appreciated this will help grow the podcast and I hope you enjoy it and see you.